All right. Aren't you glad to be back? Yeah, it's been a it's been quite a year having to put up with all we've put up with and do all the things we've done and it just seems like it's it's been forever since we've been back here on a Sunday evening to worship. But I'm certainly glad that we're back and I'm glad you're here tonight and I've had several of them say they like this five o'clock time and I'm I appreciate that. We'll get try to get home and let you have more time, but uh, what I'd like to do is just get more folks to respond to that. So, I want you to take your Bible and join with me in the uh, book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I mentioned the fact that it's been... It's been such a strange time, and we're still living in a, in a strange time of it, but it seemed like we are progressing forward from what we experienced uh, from last March up until now. Things are beginning to, to ease a little bit, and we hope that it continues to do that. The problem is, is that we're living in a culture that is not conducive to the church or to children of God. Our culture is trying to strip away everything that uh, God intended for us to do and to be and uh, what He's asked us to do over all of these years. Uh, the culture just, just strips all that away from us at that particular time. And, and we're finding out that there are so many people that are opposed to the things of God today. Uh, and being opposed to those things, then we are challenged in many different ways. Now, one of the things that they always talk about is that, uh, you know, we ought to be accepting of whatever uh, somebody else says or whatever someone else does. Uh, we need to be, and the word that they use is tolerant. Now, in this day and time, do you know what the definition of tolerance is? That's a whole lot of it. But the greatest definition of tolerance today is tolerance. You look it up in this day and time's dictionary and it says, you agree with me. That's what tolerance is. Now, to tolerate someone is to let them be over here and do whatever they want to do, but don't leave me or don't draw me into it and leave me alone. I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone. So I will tolerate that because maybe it's something I can't do about that. But now we are faced with uh, what, what is called, and I think it's called counterculture. Have you all heard that phrase? Counterculture. If the people of this counterculture don't like what you're doing, then they will do everything they can to stop whatever it is that you're doing. And it lends itself a lot to uh, products and businesses and, and things like that. But it's progressing toward the church. 
And the counterculture is going to seek to affect even the things of the church. I think that every one of us here tonight would have to admit, and, and you, you can probably even remember the last time that, that you said this, and that is we live in a different world than we grew up in. When was the last time you said that? Not long ago, was it? Somebody's talking, somebody's saying something, and, uh, and they said, man, we just live in a different world. I found a little thing the other day that uh, it's, I think it describes this uh, better than anything I've seen. Just, just listen to this little, this little statement here. It's an exchange between a daughter and her dad uh, about a virtual romance. The daughter emailed her dad, okay, and said, Dearest Dad, I'm coming home to get married soon, so get your checkbook out. Sound familiar? As you know, I am in, in Australia, and he lives in Scotland. We connected on Match.com, became friends on Facebook, had long chats on iMessage. He proposed to me on Skype, and now we've had two months of virtual relationship. My beloved dad, I need your blessing, good wishes, and a really big wedding. Your favorite daughter, Lily. Her dad wrote back, My dear Lily, wow, really? I suggest you two get married on Twitter, have fun on Snapchat, buy your kids on Amazon, pay for it all through PayPal, and when you get fed up with this new husband, sell him on eBay. Love you, Dad. I think that's funny. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised somebody does that. <laughs> that very thing right there. And you can tell I'm not the dad that they wrote it to because I wouldn't have said all of that. You don't want to know what I would have said. <laughs> we're, living, we're living in a time that has basically... Uh, and. You think about it a minute. It has robbed us, this, this generation that's here, it's robbed us of our childhood. We, we used to look back and, and you know, and I, I know I lived in a small town, and, uh, but we lived, we lived in a place where I didn't have to carry a key with me. You didn't lock your house. You just, you just went in, you went out. And if I was over near somebody else's house and I knew them, if I needed a drink, I'd go in and I'd get a drink. And, and it didn't matter. You didn't lock your car. Some of, most of you will remember those cars that you didn't have to have a key. You could just turn it off and then pull the key out. But you could just start it. You didn't have to have the key in there. It'd just start. And, and nobody, nobody thought anything about that. And most of the time, you just left your keys in the car. Where are your keys? In the car. Okay, you go and you get them. We, we didn't have our locked houses. We didn't have our locked cars. We didn't have to do those things. How many of you have gone to the show at night and walked home? You just walk home. No, no one bothered you. And I, I always figured if somebody did get after me, I could outrun them. Or I'd try anyway. We'd walk, we'd walk home at night, we'd be, we'd be out at night, we'd play around at night. On Sunday evenings, if you were church-going people at that particular time, on Sunday evening, 
you either stood around out in front of the church for two hours and talked to everybody, nobody went home, or you had a group that would go over to somebody's house and whoever's house you went to, they got in the refrigerator and they dug out the fried chicken from lunch and then they'd put ham and, and everything out and just set out this, this leftover feast out there. You'd run through there and you'd grab something to eat. The adults would sit down. They might play dominoes. They might sit and talk. The kids went outside. We kicked the can. We did this. We did that. We did the other. It was a great time, wasn't it? It really was. You, you look back at it, and, and it, it was a great time. No, no one was afraid of the other. No, no one was, was concerned about that. Now we live in a time where we have to keep our kids on our phone. I don't know what the name of this is. My daughter's got it on her phone. But she's got a deal on there where she knows where her kids are all the time. I told her, if you ever put me on that little deal right there, I'll get you. It ain't none of your business where I'm at. But she, she keeps up with them. Y'all got that? Good. And, and you can do that. You, you can do a lot of things through this little deal right here. There's, there's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of things that you can uh, do to keep up with, with kids. Or, and she asked me one time if I wanted to know my phone to keep up with the grandkids. And I said, Lord, no. I don't want to keep up with them. If I want to come see them, I will. If I don't, I don't want to know where they're at. It's your job. I already got rid of you. It's your job. You do it. It's different, folks. It's different. Acts chapter 9 is about a man who taught us how to be different. His name was Paul. And the ninth chapter of Acts is where Saul of Tarsus at that particular time, Saul was heading into Damascus that he might uh, serve the papers, the warrants on the Christians there. And he had them all lined up and, and he was going to throw them in jail. He might have some stoned. And this Saul was, was uh, so angry and so bitter and, and, and so opposed to uh, this thing called Christianity. But keep in mind, he believed that he was doing God's work. Paul, Paul thought just what he was doing was what God intended for him to do. And he was trying to stop this new movement. It wasn't right. Who was this Jesus? He wasn't around there. Who was this Jesus that, that was causing all of this problem? And, and now he's dead. And now he's gone. All these other guys are standing up. And they're trying to say things about him that can't be true. There he goes. Can you see him as, as he gets closer to Damascus? And, and there are the gates to the city. And, and Saul is just, he's got a determination in his step. And he's moving forward. And the men that are with him, they're, they're trying to stay up with him. They're right behind him. And Paul is heading toward that until, bang, this light come down from heaven. He hit his knees. And then he heard his name. We know that story, don't we? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. It's hard for you to kick against the prick, Saul. It's hard for you to, to fight against this. Lord, what would you have me do? You come down through the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and, and you read about Ananias on Straight Street. I've always thought that was interesting. 
on a street called Straight. In other words, Paul got off the crooked path and started on the straight street. Went to Ananias, and Ananias came to him, and the scales fell from his eyes. And Ananias uh, began to talk with him and, 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 and visit with him. Uh, and then we come down into the latter part of uh, chapter 9. And there's something there that's, that uh, intrigued me, and I want to share it with you tonight. And I want to look at some things about this. Saul goes to Jerusalem. They're all afraid of him uh, because of his reputation that preceded him. And as he came in, they kind of uh, stood aside from him. That's verse 26. Verse 27 tells us about Barnabas. Barnabas, of course, is the encourager. Uh, he brought Saul in. He told him what the Lord had done for him uh, at Damascus and how he had proclaimed about Jesus as Damascus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. He spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, disputed against the Grecians, uh, but they went about to slay him. They were, they were wanting to kill him. And so the brethren knew and they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him, sent him on to Tarsus. Got him out. Now here's what I want you to see, verse 31. They had the churches rest throughout all Judea, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, the churches multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Now I want you to hold your finger there and look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, not the gospel, 1 John chapter 2 a neat little verse there that because I, I love the epistles of John first second third John first John chapter 2 you found it look at verse 6 he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to, to walk even as Jesus walked. See that? If you got your lipstick with you, you mark that. Put a star beside it. How are we to walk? We are to walk as Jesus walked. Now with the Apostle Paul in verse 31, and the churches at that particular time, along with Barnabas and the others that were... Uh, reaching out to open this door uh, that Peter opened to the Gentile nation. And Peter is moving about trying to establish these churches and, and James and John, and we, we know about all the rest. But now they had rest. Saul is, has gone back to Tarsus, and not everybody is trying to fight against him. And then it says, walking in the fear of the Lord. Walking in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? Now, I know all of you have uh, the things, and I've, I've said them to you over and over again about what it means to fear the Lord. But when we talk about walking in the fear of the Lord, we, we go back to the things that we're encountering in this culture today. And we're encounter, encountering so much. I read the other day uh, that there is a group of college students that have filed suit against Christian colleges to take away their exemptions as church-related schools. A group of college students are doing their best to 
robbed the Christian uh, education in, in our culture today. Are we exempt? No, they'll be after the churches. In fact, they're already after the churches. We've got, we've got um, bills that have been proposed uh, where it says that you can't uh, uh, change or you can't uh, do something to someone because of their gender. A, a brilliant doctor the other day uh, on, uh, I think it was CNN I read about, said that there is no way at the birth of a child that you can tell the gender of the child. The child has to grow and let, you, let them identify with who they are. Now, is that not the most stupid statement you ever heard in your life? See, and, and there's our culture. That's what we're living in. And that's what we're facing as a church, folks. You just well get ready. That's, that's what's coming up. That, that's what we're facing here. And, and now we, we've, we're faced with this transgender movement. We're, we're, tra- we're, we're faced with uh, boys wanting to uh, participate in girls' athletics. That, that's just wrong. And girls wanting to participate with the boys and, and all of these other things. You know, I, uh, and they, they say to be tolerant means that you agree with all of that. Well, I'm sorry. I can't agree with that. Those things are not godly in the first place. Plus, it's not right. And to make such an asinine statement as, as this person made, you can't tell the gender of a child. Listen, I, I was in, the, in the, the room, the birthing room with both of my children. I didn't have trouble telling what they were. And neither did you. You know what that child is. So the problem with that is this. Now hear me. People believe that mess. They believe that. And so we're falling apart. Okay. We're faced with this stuff. That's why I've told you about all these things. We're faced with this. What do we do? We walk as Jesus walked. That's what we do. And that's why I wanted you to read this first John verse. But I want you to come back with me now to Acts chapter 9. As uh, we see the churches are resting in the nations at that particular time, walking in the fear of the Lord. When we walk in the fear of the Lord and we think about what Jesus did, we think about Jesus walking in the love of God, in the mercy of God, in the kindness of God, and trying to show forth the things that God has done for us. The gospel. The gospel is what you and I need to... uh, portray as as we walk forth in this world we must let the gospel be shown within us the things that we say and the things that we do if we say that i believe this and we ought to live believing that and live as we do believe that we need to recognize the full nature of who god is and how we walk before him right now now one of the most interesting passages uh, to me, and, and I, I, I think about this quite often, is in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, I think every one of us recognize uh, that uh, passage because it begins in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You remember Isaiah seeing that vision? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, 
and his train filled the temple. And then he talked about the seraphim uh, all around God crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And, and what a beautiful vision that was for Isaiah as, as he uh, told about all the things that he saw in the presence of God. Now, what you see next from Isaiah, to me, is the greatest picture of what worship is all about. Because the next thing Isaiah said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, I'm not worthy to be here at this particular moment. And if we worship, we should, we should not, and, and you know, Andy leads us in songs and we sing these songs and, and then we put the book down and we say, I've worshiped. You truly worship when you hear those songs and you think, oh my God, I'm a sinner. I need you. I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight. You remember that this morning? I am resolved. Why? Because I am a sinner. You remember in Luke chapter 5 when Peter, who had already met Jesus and accepted him as the Messiah, was with his brother and they were washing their nets after fishing all night. And then Jesus was there at the shore, got in Peter's boat, had him push it out. He taught the multitude. And then he told Peter to go fishing. Remember, I went over this last Sunday. But when Jesus brought in the, the, the catch of fish, then Peter ran over to him and he said, Depart from me, for I am what? A sinful man. So in, in the presence of God, we have to realize that as we see God, to worship Him is to bow before Him and say, Dear God, I'm nothing without you. In the first chapter of Revelation that we went over a, a few times and I mention all the time, John saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus in His deity, and he fell at His feet and worshiped Him. Should we be any different? If we are walking in the fear of God, then we must realize that we fall at His feet to worship Him. Isaiah 64, 6. You ought to know it by heart. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's who we are. And that's what it, that's what it means uh, partly to walk in the fear of God. To recognize and understand that I'm not worthy we hear people all the time say, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Oh, my soul. I hope so. I hope so. And then, then we've mentioned the fact, what if God gave us what we deserved? Now, that's, that's just kind of a little cliche that we throw out there every once in a while to make people think we're spiritual. Aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? We say, Amen. Let me take it a little bit further, okay? Aren't you even gladder that as a child of God, you'll never get what you deserve? How's that sit with you? Thank God. You see, we, we've been set free from that. So because we understand that we have been set free from receiving what we deserve, then we are to walk in that fear of who God actually is. So what does that do for us? A few things. 
Number one, it establishes an awe in the presence of God. He's not just the man upstairs. I had a guy say that to me the other day. And folks, I have to bite my tongue when I hear somebody say that. And I did. I, I chewed it raw. Because he was telling me how much he loved God. But he never did use the name God. He said, I really love that man. I really love that man upstairs. And I had to bite my tongue. And I just, I didn't say nothing. Aren't you proud of me? I didn't say anything. Amen. Amen. He is not the man upstairs. He is not a grandfather that passes out toys to his children. He is God. And he's got a name. His name is God. And we should call him. He's our God. But he lets us call him Father. Now that's a joy. Not only is he God, he's my Father. And in all and respect. That's another thing about our culture. When we were growing up. If I ever. And see if you have ever put yourself in this position. If I ever. Walked up to a man that I knew his first name. And my daddy was standing there. And I call that man by his first name. I guarantee you. The nap of my neck got picked up. And he wasn't through with me until. A little thing happened that many of you don't remember, but it's called a whooping. All right, all right. He, you know, he didn't whip me. He whooped me. And there's a difference. Yes, it is. Y'all ever been whooped? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see? All right. Respect. Yes. That is mister. And I better look at that man if I speak to him. And I better call him by name and I better shake his hand and I better look him in the eye when I shake his hand. Y'all ever been taught that? All right, all right. Would to God we get back to teaching that. Respect. Doesn't our Father deserve respect? So if we walk in the fear of God, we walk in that awe and we walk in that respect of respecting God and who He is. But we also... Walk in reverence to God. We revere Him because He is deity. He is God. And in our relationship, He is Father. I am Son. We belong to Him and we walk according to Him. So what does it mean for us today to, to walk in the fear of the Lord? You know, in this day and time that we're living in, we're walking with a fear that we are forgetting the things of God. And I, and I think that's, that's very true. Let, let me read to you a verse of Scripture. And you, you can look at it in, in just a few minutes. It's found in, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 18. And it says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. If the church ever loses sight of the fear of God, we're in trouble. This, what we do in church, teaching Sunday school, leading music, playing the instruments, preaching, whatever it is in the church, if it ever becomes about us, we're not worshiping. It's not about us. It's about God and who He is. We're having failure in, in the pulpits today and in the pews, not teaching people that we are to fear God. 
We don't respect the authority that God has placed over us. Now, none of us agree when it comes to, to voting. We, we, got, we vote on this side, we vote on this side, and, and, and we, don't, we don't mix. And you may vote one way, and I may not agree with that, and, and, I, and uh, I vote one way, you don't agree with that. But folks, it doesn't mean that we are mortal enemies. When the authority sets itself in place... We're called on to, to uh, pray for them, are we not? Our, our, our president, our vice president, our Congress, our cabinet, all of that. They're in place. That's who it is. We pray for them. We should do that and, and lift them up. The authorities that we have uh, in our, our nation, they, they should be respected. The authorities in our state, they should be respected. The authorities in our county, and in our city, they should be respected. That's what God told us to do. Amen. I never will forget. I can tell this now. It's been a long time ago. I was right out of Childress, and, and I stopped a car because the speed limit was 55 back then. And it was mid-morning, and, and I stopped the car, and I got out, and, and I did what I was supposed to do. And this guy said, I told him I was going to write him a ticket. And he said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And I said, good. And then I kept writing the ticket. He said, I can't believe you're going to give me a ticket. I'm a Baptist preacher. And he kept on. And he kept on. And I got it all filled out. And he said one more time about being a Baptist preacher. And I looked at him and I said, how long have you been preaching? And he told me how many years it was. And I said, in all those years, did you ever read the 13th chapter of Romans? And he said, of course I have. And I said, does it not say in the 13th chapter of Romans that you are to respect the authority that are over you? And here you are telling me that I have no right to write you a ticket because you're a preacher. And you know what he did? He signed his ticket and left. I never have heard from him since then. What, what gives me the right? If, I, if I'm in the wrong, what gives me the right to come up and say, you can't, follow, you can't do that. I'm a preacher. Uh-huh. Yes, you can. You see, the things that we need to understand about who we are and what we're doing is that we have authority over us. And we are to respect that authority. Because what you need to understand is, in the book of Proverbs, it says, the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And they answer for that. And Paul said that. So I don't, I don't have to do anything except what I'm supposed to do. And what I'm supposed to do is pray. Make sure that we don't tear down the structure inside the church. Make sure that we stand together. I'm not any different than you. You're not any different than I am. I pray to God that I don't ever try to lord it over you because that's, that's not who I am and that's not what I'm supposed to do. We walk together. We serve together. We do these things together. There are things that I have to do. There are things that you have to do. But folks, when we walk in the fear of the Lord, we walk together and we do these things according to the hand of Almighty God. God's blessing is upon us. How many of you remember, been years ago, a little thing called the prayer of Jabez y'all remember the prayer of Jabez boy that thing went like wildfire didn't it and the way the reason I call it wildfire is that it went 
Because people begin to think that that was a magical formula to get whatever they wanted. The prayer of Jabez, if, if you've forgotten it, it's in 1 Chronicles 4.10. And people were wearing little bracelets on their wrists, and, and, and they were wearing T-shirts. And, and uh, I remember the church I was in, they, they got on to me and said, man, we need to do this prayer, Jabez. We need to do this. We need that. And I said, No. I've said, I've been through this before, and what this is going to do is going to run like a fad, and then it's going to die, and I'm not getting into it. They got mad at me, but that's okay. But there are no magical formulas in the Scripture for us to get what we want. If you want a, if you want a, a formula to get what you want, walk in the fear of the Lord. We also need to stand in a reverential awe that controls us. We ought to be in fear of displeasing God. If, if we walk as Jesus walked, if you read the scripture, Jesus said, I've come to do thy will, O God. And he said over and again, I've come to do the will of my Father. He didn't want to displease God. He didn't want to disobey God. And neither should we. If we walk as Jesus walked, we walked praising God. We walk in worship to God. We walk in honor of God. We walk in that, that reverential awe and respect of who God is. And we let God do the work and let God do the speaking in our life. We find wisdom by walking with God. You can find those, those passages in, in Proverbs 16. In Proverbs 1, 7, in Psalms 25, 14, in Joshua 24, 14, we gain wisdom as we walk with God. And walking with Him means that we are to discern the things of God. As God opens things to us, we are to grasp those and study those things and make those things a part of who we are. That's what it means to walk with Him. To walk in fear of Almighty God. To walk in, in service to God. Sacrifice with God. Prepare yourselves. That's what Joshua said. Get the people ready, God told him. He told them, get yourselves ready. Clean yourselves up. We're fixing to follow the Lord. And we need to be reminded of that every day. When you get up, you need to get yourself ready. It's time to follow the Lord. It's time to obey the commands that we know are real in the Scripture. Those commands that God has given to us, the commands that we know. You see, when Jesus died and rose again and ascended back to the Father, that did not negate the Ten Commandments. It put strength underneath them. They still apply to us. Those ten plus all the other things that God has said to us. Now, a week or two ago, I don't remember when it was, but I do remember I couldn't think of the guy's name. I was brain dead, and I wanted to tell you who said it. But I told you that obedience was not the problem. The problem was a, a fervent love for God. Remember me saying that? Probably not. But it was Tony Evans that said it. I want you to, understand, to know that. 
And I read that and I, and I thought, you know, that's true. It is a fervent love for God because if we have that kind of love, we'll obey Him and whatever He says. And that, that's, what he's, that's what He tells us here uh, in this Scripture. If we want to walk with Him and walk as He walked, then we'll walk in a fervent love for the Lord Jesus Christ because of all of the things that He did for us. But look at the latter part of this verse. And I, I spent most of my time walking in the fear of the Lord, and I meant to. But look at the last two things there. Walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. In the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Third part of the Trinity, we all believe that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you read that word comfort, we think about a comforter. Every one of us needs a comforter at times. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul describes God as a God of all comfort. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as one who comforts us. He is the one that, that supplies those things within us when we are crying out and we don't understand the things that have happening and, and things are happening around us and bad things are happening to us and, and we don't know what to do and we cry out and we cry out for comfort. And God is the one that brings that comfort. And daily as we walk, the Holy Spirit walks with us in comfort so that we don't have to sit and dwell on all the things that are happening and, oh, Lord, what's going on and, and what are we going to do? How does He comfort us? He comforts us by teaching us the Word of God. He is the teacher. He is the one that helps us to understand here is God's Word. He comforts us by... Uh, empowering us empowering us to do the things of God to do the service of God to see those things that are there and then apply ourselves to that he comforts us in protection do you know how many times or have you ever thought about how many times that the Holy Spirit has driven Satan away from you oh my we don't even know it and God has prevented him. You know, uh, you heard that, that old saying. Uh, somebody said it a long time ago, and I really can't remember who did. I've heard so many people say it, but, and I've said it too. You know, we can't stop the thoughts from coming in our mind, but we can keep uh, from maintaining those thoughts. Just like you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, you can keep them from building a nest. And there are times when Satan will bring those thoughts in and he goes, bam, and they hit. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when we entertain them. There's, there's a country song, and the name of it is, If the Devil Danced in Empty Pockets, He'd Have a Ball in Mine. Y'all ever heard that song? I got a few of you nodding, nodding real good. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> and it's funny, but it's also true. He'll get that close to you. And he is able to do those things as long as we allow that. But when we are walking in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, he is able to protect us if we're willing to tear the nest up. And not let those thoughts remain there. 
If we're willing to make the change, if we're willing to be different than the things that God has set as given to us, walk in the blessings that God gives to us each and every day. God blesses you so many times and, and so much of it we miss, but he's there. James 1.17 ought to be a verse that you memorize. And that's one, one of the particular ways that, that I really think we ought to begin our prayers as we praise God for every good and perfect gift because God has given it to us. If you open your eyes in the morning and you put your feet on the floor, you ought to give God praise for a perfect gift because he's given you a new day to serve him and to honor him and to walk with him. And as we walk, walk in the ways of God, we walk in the sweetness of that relationship with God. And that sweetness leads us to rest. We can find spiritual rest. We can find physical rest. But oh, thank God, through Jesus Christ, I know and you know, we have eternal rest. And one of these days, that's going to be ours. Walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And you see that last part there? And he multiplied the church. You want to grow the church? Folks, you and I need to join ourselves together and walk as Jesus walked. In the fear of God. In the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Praising Him. Letting Him use us. Recognizing that we are sinners. Giving it all to Him. And God will transform this culture. I don't know what's going to happen with the culture. I just know this. I'm not going to let that culture affect one way or the other. And neither are you. I know that. So, how about it? We walk together in the fear of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, thank you for allowing us, Father, to see the things that you have for us. Lord, I, I praise you for what you've done for us tonight. Thank you, Father, for the, 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 the privilege to worship together. Father, as we come together as your children, oh, Lord, may we examine our walks tonight. And, Lord, may we ask ourselves, how is my walk? Am I walking in the fear of the Lord? Am I walking trusting God? Am I, am I trying to run ahead of God? Am I trying to do things that are none of my business just to let God to take care of them? Oh, Father, I pray that we may work in our own hearts and minds and that we determine within ourselves, I'm going to walk as Jesus walked. and Walk in the fear of God to obey Him, to love Him with everything that we have. Thank you, Father, for what you've given to us to honor and to serve you. Father, I thank you for everyone here tonight. I pray that you bless each home. And Lord, may you use us in this coming week that we bring honor and glory to you in all that we do. Father, we commit now this time to you. Thank you, Father, for this privilege. Lead us from here to our homes, into the week in our service, on our eyes fixed on you, serving you, loving you, and doing it together. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, folks.